The Truth News Network. Conspiracy theorists vindicated more every day. From the laptop to the virus to the vaccines to the collusion of the FDA with Big Pharma. And who was there first? You were. Thanks to comment at the Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. You know what? Instead of being um, first, I want to be right. Therefore, sometimes we wait a little bit till we get the facts and confirm them. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Thursday. Thursday, day after. Day after what? (laughs) Day after, I guess you could call it a lightweight boxing match out there at the Reagan Library as we had the second Republican debate. We're going to analyze it today. I'm not going to get into the, we're not going to hear a a bunch of sound bites of what happened on the stage there. We're not going to go there. We're going to do some hands-off analysis. I'm going to give you some of my personal opinions and some of my opinions about the event may shock you. First of all, I promised you yesterday I wasn't going to watch it. I didn't watch any of the first debate, but I, I just caught myself about halfway through. And I said, I've got to watch some of this. So I waited another 15 or 20 minutes. And I probably caught the last 25 minutes of the debate. And just that under 30 minutes that I watched it, it was unbelievable. And I'm not going to get into it right now. We'll do that in just a few minutes. We also have some big news coming out of Washington, D.C. that is Biden-related No, not just Joe. No, not just Hunter. The Biden family syndicate, as it pertains to what's going on in Congress and a whole lot more. Where's all that money that we're sending to Ukraine? Where's it really going? It's supposed to be going over there to take care of the war so that we can diminish one of our arch enemies' capabilities to do evil things to other countries including us, that would be Russia. But do you think that's where all the money's going? Hmm. Uh, TNN Live listeners, they already know the answer to that. But there's even more to it today that's come out. And what about Uncle Joe? (laughs) Every day when I think it just can't get any worse, guess what? Gets worse. So buckle up, folks. we got a big day today, and we're going to do it kind of in a relaxed fashion for a change, okay? Sun going down and the eyes 
version of it Sergio Mendez and Brazil 66 66 1960 that'll tell you how long ago that song was written can you believe we're getting this old 1966 I was 13 how old were you if you're tempted to gripe about oh I'm getting old don't gripe consider the alternative if you're walking around breathing and you haven't yet assumed room temperature, you're alive and that's plenty to be thankful for. Well, in my opening, I told you I was going to kind of relax a little bit today. Well, I got a shot fired across the bow, James said, and I'm going to quote, sent me a text. He said, no relaxing, get on them, bub. I love it when you rave on them. (laughs) I don't know if raving is in the menu for the day, but I'm just going to tell you facts. I'm going to tell you a couple of different parts of this whole thing that I, uh, I'm i not real comfortable with. So let's start right here. What are most viewers that were asked after it, that debate last night, what do they think? Well, viewers blasted the Republican National Committee as well as Fox News for including Univision as a partner in the event. Now, Univision, that's a Spanish network. That one woman that sat down there with Stuart Varney and uh, um, I just went blank, Fox News, Dana Perino. I can't believe I forgot her. I've been a fan of Dana Perino's for years. They all messed up. They really did. The whole thing kicked off with that anchor for Univision, Ilya Calderon. She opened up the debate by speaking in Spanish, which I understand, telling viewers the candidates are trying to win them over. Please allow me to welcome our Spanish-speaking audience, she said, stating that in Spanish. A good evening to all. From the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, the Republican presidential candidates also seek your vote for the party's primaries. Welcome. Welcome. 
the irritation of that inclusion of Univision, it only grew throughout the night as moderators asked about gun violence, amnesty, Obamacare, and much more. It's a good thing Univision is an official media partner of this debate, so issues that matter to Republican voters are covered, said not one Republican primary or caucus voter. That was tweeted by Sean Spicer. As one other commenter remarked, it was pretty obvious when they tried to get the candidates to sign on to amnesty. Why do we continue to get questions from the left, from Univision, David Limbaugh said. No wonder we're in the mess that we're in. So most people didn't really care for it. Megyn Kelly, is this an MSNBC debate? Molly Hemingway, Univision moderator, advocates big time for open borders and amnesty. Candidates handled it fairly well. Cliff Sims tweeted, by the way, the left-leaning Reagan library would be wholly unrecognizable to the president whose legacy they purport to carry on. And the Univision editorial contributions to this debate are absurd. This is Cliff Sims saying this, Trump wins again by not legitimizing any of this. A little bit later, we're going to talk more and more about where Donald Trump sits. Because he seemed to be the most talked about person in the debate last night, not about issues, not about what these candidates and presidential nominee wannabes had to say. None of that. We're going to talk about facts. So you heard some about the griping from the audience. I get it. The thing that just floored me, and remember, I missed I missed the first hour purposely. But the thing that floored me, and I can't watch a debate in which everybody talks at once. Now, don't tell me that Fox News doesn't have the capability of shutting people up when they're on microphone talking when they're not supposed to be. And I'm not, I'm not talking about talking. I'm talking about screaming and hollering and throwing insults at each other. Ron DeSantis and the fat man, the round man, throwing insults at Donald Trump. Who are you talking about, Dan? Chris Christie, the round man. Well, I can call him that if he called former President Trump Donald Duck. I mean, is that what we are getting into? Presidential candidates? They're calling each other names? No wonder Donald Trump doesn't want to be a part of that. There's no way he wins if he shows up. He won without showing up. That debate was dominated by candidates and moderators bickering. Everybody was talking over one another. Viewers criticized the host for asking, quote, I love this, offensively stupid questions rather than focusing on substance that Republicans care about. Fox Business Univision, that was a strange relationship to me. And to be honest, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California, also not a good place, in my opinion, to be because it's so far out there and the time difference was a little tough for people back on the East Coast. Early in the evening, candidates attacked Vivek Ramaswamy, emphasized 
the border crisis and called out former President Trump for skipping yet another debate while working to manage questions from moderators that some called idiotic and disrespectful. But one theme, one theme that persisted throughout was dissatisfaction with the moderators. Questions that they asked ranged from pressing Florida Governor DeSantis about allegedly racist slavery curriculum to asking former Vice President Mike Pence about hate crimes against gay people. So these moderators, Dana Perino, Stuart Varney, he's got that great British accent, he is an American citizen, and Ilya Calderon, she was there representing the Univision Network. Each tried, unsuccessfully I might add, to enforce time limits, keep the candidates from cutting each other off. So somebody that really, I thought, kind of shined through a bit was Republican North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. He tried to ask the moderators to return to a question about AI, artificial intelligence, and Dana, I don't know where this came from, she immediately threatened to cut his mic off if he kept the debate from moving forward. There was one good thing I heard in that response. They had the capability to cut the candidates' mics off. Why didn't they exercise it? I mean, literally, you should have had a full-time person sitting back there, and when a question was asked to one individual, cut everybody else's mics off. It was ridiculous. It sounded like a bunch of kids trying to run for class president in the second grade, and they want to talk. So they just talk all over each other. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? That's exactly what it sounded like. The bait focused around one leading candidate that wasn't on the stage, and of course that was Donald Trump. He was kind of busy yesterday. He headed up to Detroit, Michigan. He went to address those striking members of the UAW, And he was there yesterday. Joe Biden was there for less than three minutes. He spoke to those people that are on the picket line. Joe Biden, less than three minutes. He was showing, he said, his solidarity with those workers who are demanding about a 40% raise in a shorter work week. He should be on this stage tonight. It's Ron DeSantis said, taking his first of several explicit hits at Trump throughout the night. I started right when I said that. I started to launch into my opinion overall about the night, but I'm going to save that for a little bit. I'm going to save it. So I thought, and you know we have a international audience, and therefore we sometimes go and look for what international news media outlets are talking about as it pertains to things in the United States And my go-to foreign source is pretty much Daily Mail. They're out of Europe and Australia. And so this morning I went and looked at it. This is their headline, (laughs) Daily Mail this morning. Donald Trump declared winner of the second Republican debate in Daily Mail poll, even though he stayed home. (laughs) Some 27% of Republican viewers said Trump won the second debate. Now, figure that out. He wasn't there, but everybody was talking about him, and nobody had anything good to say about him. 
Viewers also said DeSantis came across as the most competent one on the stage. That was good news for DeSantis. He was declared the most presidential and competent. Analysts, oh my gosh, here we go, the experts. They said DeSantis put in a more assured performance than he did in the first debate when he disappeared from sight at times. This time, he deemed Trump directly and lent into his record as Florida governor to describe how he would lead the nation. Yet in a sign of Trump's grip on the party base, a poll conducted by JL Partners, that poll said that 27% of viewers judged him to be Trump, the night's winner, giving tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy by one point, DeSantis by 10 points. Rather than appearing on stage to slug it out, the former president went to Michigan. I'm going to give you one little thought on this whole thing right now. This is personal. This is mine. I have opinions just like you do. You can have yours. I'll have mine. I don't think Trump should even go to any of these debates. There's no way he's going to win because everybody on the stage is going to dominate. He's going to get caught up in the screaming and hollering, and he can't win in that. He doesn't need to debate these people. Now, if he becomes the Republican nominee and whoever's going to be running on the other side, and I don't think it'll be Joe Biden, if they will debate, those two candidates need to go face-to-face, but not for a while. Come on now. We're almost October. We're just a couple of days away from October 1st. That means we're still 13 months away from this election. That's a long time. And there'll be a lot of water under the bridge between here and there. So Trump, of course, he listened or watched at least some of that debate. And he had to fire back. I would expect that. You remember Chris Christie said this? I know you're watching. (laughs) Chris Christie, you know why he's in this thing? He knows he can't win. He knows most people in America can't stand him. He's arrogant. He has no right to be arrogant. He was a mediocre governor in New Jersey. He got caught up in that Bridgegate thing and should have been prosecuted and put in jail for it because what was alleged turned out later to be absolutely true. All that being said, Christie went after Donald Trump. And he called the former president because he's not at the debate. He called him Donald Duck. Now, even I would go crazy over that. Donald Trump, (laughs) he responded to heated criticisms that came from not just Chris Christie, but some of the other candidates. And he said it was much more important for him to work, this is Trump, to save auto workers last night than to go to the debate due to his massive lead in the polls while dismissing Chris Christie's Donald Duck nickname for him. I think I've already got a nickname for Chris Christie, the round man. GOP candidates, they were up there and they were on fire. They were in attack mode against each other up there. 
And the worst thing about it is Fox News had no control of that debate. It's not just me saying that. They're getting ripped. They were getting ripped during the debate online. Republicans watching the debate, Democrats watching the debate. They couldn't believe what was going on. It was like a bunch of guys after a big win in a locker room. Nobody paid attention to what anybody was saying. Everybody was talking. Now, Trump spoke yesterday before a crowd of auto workers up in Clinton Township, Michigan. He was pleading that if he was elected, the future of the automobile will be made in America. The crowd, of course, went crazy. During the debate, though, former New Jersey Governor Christie laid into Trump, looking directly into the camera and saying, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep going doing that. No one here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. Substance. That's what old Chris Christie had, right? Going to come up with names. Well, that's what Donald Trump does. Listen, here's the synopsis. Everybody in America, everybody in the world knows who Donald Trump is, what he did in four years, what he did for the nation. Nobody's done anything even close to that. Not even Ronald Reagan. Reagan came closest. Now, that's saying something really big and really important. But Trump has already done it. The stuff that they were picking at him about that he didn't accomplish that he promised he was going to do during his campaign, the only stuff he didn't get done was what he couldn't get Congress to come along with. Christie can't say that about his service in New Jersey. Oh, he can nitpick a few things and pull them out. Nobody else up on that stage can say the same thing. DeSantis, I still say, he made a fatal mistake in contemplating how he should approach this whole thing. He has had tremendous success in Florida, but he almost lost an election. And you know who pulled him over the top in Florida? Donald Trump. Conventional wisdom was that DeSantis and Trump were going to be the ticket this time. DeSantis, however, listened to some of his handlers, and he got a little proud. He got a little vain if he wasn't already. I don't know him. I've never had a one-on-one conversation with him. But he got it in his head. Now was his time. If he was really in it totally for the American people, he wouldn't have done it this way. He would have gone to Donald Trump, sat down with Trump and said, Mr. President, I'm going to make a suggestion to you. I think you showed the world, you showed America what you're capable of, and you did it. You did it on a global stage, not just here domestically. So here's what I'm here with my hat in hand to talk to you about. I would like to run on your ticket as vice president. I think the two of us can win and win handily. The people of Florida and other people around the United States looked in and watched 
how I handled all of the horrors that happened during the pandemic, education, Disney, everything. They see that. But I'm not yet proficient in foreign matters. You had that set when you became president. I would love to come assist you. You teach me by being with you how to handle the foreign relations stuff. If we do that, Mr. Trump, Mr. President, the Republican Party will own the White House for three terms. The second one for Donald Trump and then eight years with DeSantis at the top. That would have sold Republicans. I mean, across the board. Does everybody like everything about every candidate that ever runs? I don't care if they're the number one choice from the party you're in. That doesn't matter. Everybody's not going to like everybody. There are tons of people that hate Donald Trump. Tons of people that hated Barack Obama. It happens to work that way. It's people's opinions. Instead of denigrating anyone and everyone that thinks opposite of you on any issue, just respect the fact that everybody has a right to think about politics, elections, candidates on their own. I've lost really good friends in the last decade over politics. Now, how did that happen? I don't get in people's faces, but here's the problem. I've been writing for quite a while, and my writing has been public available. And a bunch of my friends for years, Facebook friends, when I would post something, there they saw it. A lot of them got their feelings hurt. Some of them reached out to me. Some of them didn't, but they just began to go away. Not not nearly most of. I don't want to sound that way, but I'm saying those that did not want to receive, at least receive and listen to what I had to say, they cut me off. And that's their right. That doesn't mean they're not good people. That doesn't mean we no longer have a relationship. It's that our relationship now excludes anything to do with politics. That's their right. You have a right to agree and disagree. That's what makes one thing that makes the United States so much different from other countries. This administration is trying to steal that right away. And in small part, at least, they've already done it. Look around. You remember all the January 6th stuff that happened? You remembered all the irregularities that were documented overnight in the 2020 election? You remember all the cases that were filed, some by the Trump folks, some by the RNC, some by a bunch of different individuals and groups around the nation? alleging voter fraud and irregularity. You remember all that? It was top of the news every day, 24-7. Yeah, this is going on in Pennsylvania. This is in Wisconsin. This is in Arizona. This is in Georgia. It was okay. It is not illegal to express your opinion about anything. That's guaranteed to us in the First Amendment. Yet... This administration, this Department of Justice, this FBI has attacked a full-on assault against Americans who disagree with their 
accepted political narrative. I have people come on this show that when they come, we got to be careful talking about this. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. I'm in the middle of working something out. Always got a reason for it. And I understand the Dominion lawsuit against Fox News. That woke a lot of people up. Basically, what we suggested might have been in the offing, which is attack on the First Amendment. All of a sudden, these people that thought that could never happen realized it's happening. And it's not that they're afraid about somebody expressing different political ideology than theirs. They're afraid of a big company like Dominion Voting Systems. Even Fox News shied away from promoting, questioning things in government like election and election results. And Fox is a big company, got a lot of money. Some of these politicians, they won't even talk about potential voting irregularity because they don't want to get sued. It costs a four. If you get sued in federal court, Steve Baker, who's on here every Tuesday, our second hour, I asked him a few weeks ago uh, how much it costs for all these J6 people that are having to defend themselves in federal court in Washington, D.C., and he said you don't get even involved with a good lawyer for less than $150,000. Getting started. You got an extra hundred and a half in your savings account? Not many people do, especially during the Biden administration. Things are a changing, and we need strong leadership. Why do you think Donald Trump remains to be so far ahead of the other Republican candidates? Why would that happen with all of the allegations that have been made against him, the lawsuits, the criminal suits that are pending that he's going to have to face. Why would these people continue to support him? They've watched. They've learned. They know what's going on. And the left, the mob, the legacy media, whatever you want to call those people, they see what the American people are thinking, and guess where they are? They've moved past the point of, well, we've got to change what we're doing because we don't want to lose our audience. You know where they are right now? They don't give a rip. They're all in going for leftist ideology and control in government. If you're one of those people that didn't read the story that I wrote yesterday at truthnewsnet.org, How do you spell Democrat? O-L-I-G-A-R-C-H-Y. Oligarchy. Do you know what that is? That's the Democrat Party, today's Democrat Party. You don't know what it means and how it applies to this conversation? Go read the article and then come back. Tell us what you think. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? 
It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. <laughs> Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. TNN, the Truth News Network, puts it all together for you every day at truthnewsnet.org. So I was wondering um, about how some of my heroes really feel about this election. Several of them are on television, so you can get a sense from what they say but you never really know because seldom do they come out and say, I'm supporting this candidate, whatever. I think if you've been around a little while, you understand I have a great deal of respect for Mark Levin. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like how his voice sounds, but and that's because I'm a broadcaster. But nevertheless, I love the content of what he has to say. I like his latest book. If you haven't got it, go to Amazon and order it. I forget the exact name of the book, but check it out right now and order it because it is mind-boggling what the man says. And he's very pointed when he speaks. I wonder, who's he going to vote for? Now, that's a deep question. And again, he's on TV. He has his own Fox show. So, who do you think Mark Levin is going to support? And who do you think he supported in the last couple of elections? We got Chris Christie, who's basically an anti-Trump torpedo. Uh, Mike Pence does a better Chris Christie than Chris Christie in the last debate. Who would I whittle it down? When Donald Trump ran in 2016, I backed Ted Cruz. And when Ted Cruz lost and Donald Trump won, I backed Donald Trump. He, he was far more conservative than I ever could have imagined. Far more conservative than either the Bushes ever were. I look at Ron DeSantis. I'm a resident of Florida. This guy's unbelievable. The things that he's done, the culture wars that he's been willing to fight and so forth and so on. So from my perspective, if Donald Trump is the nominee, I'm all in. 
if something horrific happens and it turns out that he's not, maybe because of one of these indictments or so forth and so on, I'm all in with the DeSantis. That's the best way I can answer that. You may disagree with him, and that's okay. I mean, we all have our own opinions. I, um, I've got a huge question mark about Ron DeSantis simply because I think he made some bad choices in the selection. We talked about it just a little bit ago. I think he should have joined forces with Trump instead of making Trump an enemy. Now, isn't it interesting? After we've had the second debate, you had eight up the first time, I believe. You had seven up last night. That's 15 people, four hours of talking about politics, talking about election stuff that's really important, talking about the United States, talking about the Biden administration, talking about all the important things in government. And at the end of the day, the American people by far are still supporting Donald Trump. Ask yourself that question. Why? Why would they be doing it? It's likely because of all the litigation out there, he won't be able to run. Therefore, he wouldn't be the nominee. He couldn't run against whatever Democrat they put up to run against the Republican candidate. Americans know that. But they keep supporting the orange man. Why is that? Because of substance. Substance. He brags a lot. But there's somebody else on the United States stage right now that's not in politics. Not in politics at all. But he is talked about almost as much as Donald Trump through the years. This is going to blow your mind. I bet you don't know a little bit about what I'm going to tell you. He's the head coach at Colorado right now. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? He played professional baseball. He played NFL football. Played college at Florida State University. I was in the radio booth. Was the color commentator for the Louisiana Tech Radio Network when Deion Sanders was at Florida State. Didn't know anything about him. Had never heard anything about him. Tech goes there to play. Now, Tech's playing as an independent. They weren't in a conference at that time, so they were playing all the big schools, we were flying. I mean, in one year, we played at Florida State. We played at Miami. We played at Penn State, Texas A&M, and Southern Cal. Why? They would write big checks for this little school from Louisiana to come play them because they thought every time they played Tech, it was going to be a win, and most of the time it was. We had a wide receiver as a good friend of mine, Bobby Slaughter. His father was the offensive coordinator when I was at Louisiana Tech, those two years that Louisiana Tech won national championships and had nine people go on to the NFL. One of them's in the Hall of Fame now, Fred Dean. Great people came through Louisiana Tech. That's the home of Terry Bradshaw, many others. And so we're at Florida State. Early in the game, Deion Sanders was a defensive back. Bobby Slaughter, a wide receiver. I'm not going to be racist, but I'm going to tell you, Dion is African-American. You know that. Bobby Slaughter's white. 
Bobby Slaughter is a slow white man. Deion Sanders is a really fast black man. (laughs) So, ball is snapped. Bobby Slaughter's flanked out to the left. Deion Sanders is playing cornerback on the right side, all the way on the other side of the field. Bobby Slaughter runs a little out route. Quarterback hits him. He catches the ball at the Louisiana Tech 40-yard line and turns around. Nobody's between him and the goal line, and he takes off running. From 30 yards away on the other side of the field, Deion Sanders takes off running full speed. Deion could, and I'm probably pretty sure he still can, run really, really fast. And he caught Bobby Slaughter at the 10-yard line and tackled him. Now, I told you that story to put it in the context of what's going on right now. Dion has worked some football magic that has never been seen before. He went to Colorado and he used the portal. I know a lot of people don't like the portal. I'm not a big fan of the portal. That's where anybody playing for any school, if they want to go somewhere else, they can just declare themselves eligible, kind of like a free agent, and they enroll in the portal. And whoever wants them can talk to these players, and if those players and the schools agree, they can go there. You don't have to lay out, lose a year, any of that kind of stuff. He got 67 players for this year's Colorado team. Sixty-seven players. And they started with a bang. They lost their first game this past week. They played Oregon, who is really, really a good team this year and lost. So everybody thought that's it. Dion's over. No, 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 no. No. You remember when Howard Cosell was in the booth for Monday Night Football? Remember that? I'll never forget it. He did an interview with Deion Sanders when Deion Sanders was playing in the NFL. And Deion was being Deion Sanders. And he likes to talk about his capabilities and what he could do and about what he did. And what he did, all those things are documented. Nobody can question that. So where are you going with this, Dan? I think you probably know. Stick with me for another One minute. He's being interviewed in the booth after a game or maybe at another game, and he was up in the booth talking to Howard Cosell, and Howard got on him about bragging. Why do you brag so much? People don't like the fact that you brag so much. Dion replied with a statement that I've heard thousands of times since. And this applies to Donald Trump. That's why I'm telling you this story. Deion Sanders said, it ain't bragging if you can do it. It ain't bragging if you can do it. I saw Deion Sanders do it. He had every right to brag about his football capability. Nobody thought that he was going to be able to make Colorado winning team. Hasn't been a really good team the last few years. But they beat two good teams, really good teams to start the season. They were underdogs in both of them and beat them pretty soundly until they hit the buzzsaw, Oregon. So after the Oregon game, what did everybody think? Uh Uh-huh, 
Dion got slapped in the face. He thought he was going to run the table and play for a national championship. I heard people say that publicly, nationally. Of course, after he loses that game against Oregon Saturday, everybody wanted to take a shot at him. And so I forget the exact question that one of the reporters asked him. Maybe it was, do you have a message to send to people in football, college football around the nation, especially about how your team started so strong and now you got beat? And he said, quote, you better come get me now because we only get better than this. In other words, if you want to beat me, beat my team, you better do it this year. Because as good as we are right now, we're going to be better next year. I like that. Does that pertain a little bit to Donald Trump's philosophy? I've never heard him say anything like that. I've never heard him talk about Deion Sanders. But you know what? It ain't bragging if you can do it. He doesn't have to show up to a debate for people to know who he is, what he's about, and what he can do, because he's already done it. We elected him in 2016. We, the people, saw what he did. We watched his career. When he did that television show, You're Fired, you remember that? By the time that show had been in its second or third season, everybody knew everything about Donald Trump. Everybody did. They began to look at his career. You got naysayers out there. Are you pretty successful in what you do? If you are, you've got naysayers out there. You've got people looking at you and pointing at you and saying, there's no way he made that or she made that happen. They got lucky or somebody gave them a shortcut. That's the way people think. Nobody or very few people want to give somebody credit for actually making things happen in their lives through hard work, teaching, learning, understanding, doing the best that you can do and whatever it is that you put your mind and your thought to. That's what America has always been until now. Now, instead of watching somebody that's successful that does something good and replicating it or trying to replicate at least the philosophy that they use to put that ability together to do as good as they're doing, we stand on the sidelines, just throw rocks at them. Oh, there's no way. It's like in football. I've said this, I gave this example before. We live in, and, and I'm, 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 I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm going to a football story again. Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport. It's the subject of a brand new Amazon special this season called God, Family, and Football. And Amazon, they sent their crew in last season when Evangel Christian Academy that's won 14 Louisiana State championships, 14. School's only been around since 1980. Now think about that. 
I don't know of another team in the nation that has won that many in such a short period of time, but why is that? And it's been fun for me to watch coaches in this area that play against Steve Andrews. It's a small school, less than 400 people in high school. That's small, but they've won most of those state championships in the top division in Louisiana, 5A. Very few coaches in Louisiana, even looking at the facts about Evangel and their achievements, the facts say they work their butts off. They've got good coaching. They're very fundamental, and they applaud each other. They lift each other up. There is a whole environment throughout that school in every level. And everybody thinks it's just a football school. Do you know that from that school, they've had people working in the White House, people working at NASA, missionaries all around the world, major corporations, CEOs. They are the highest year after year rated academic school in the state of Louisiana. It's because of hard work. It's because instead of making excuses for not doing something well, finding how to do it well. There is absolutely nothing wrong with duplicating somebody else, especially if they do something as good as you want to be able to do it. That's actually flattery, and most of those people don't care if you, do, if you try to duplicate what they've done. It's kind of flattering. We in the United States, we need to get out of this top-down government control of everything attitude that we have morphed into. We need to be more about the people. We need to be more about individuals. We need to applaud the victories that people around us make instead of just trying to pull them down, instead of getting better and learning and pulling yourself up. Oh, it's just easier to sit over in the corner and reach up and drag them down by denigrating them to everybody you talk to. That's what happens in football. Guarantee you that's what happens in other parts of life. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian. They're spooky. They're um, um, big. And then you go to battle. And it's like... And finally, your foe is vanquished. And that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh. Download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We designed smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe. 
for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're at a restaurant just after a meal. <clears throat> the bill comes. Sir, here's your bill. Oh my gosh, it's a whopping amount. <gasps> You pass it on to the next person. He. He passes it on. He? And on. We. Nobody likes unpleasant surprises. Well, why should you? With the new Hutz Delight Meals, you won't get any surprises in your bill. Just pure value. Enjoy your favorites every day, from pizzas, pastas, to sides and drinks, from as low as 14 ringgit per person. Available for dine-in only. of you that know me, you probably won't believe what I'm about to tell you. I got up and was dancing in the studio by myself. I love that song, Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars. <laughs> I can do that. It's my show and nobody's here to see me. Before we move on, I want to tell you something that uh, nobody's talked about. I, in fact, this is what I do, but I hadn't even thought about this in weeks. Did you know that oil prices are about to hit $100 a barrel. $100 a barrel. Surging global demand coupled with output cuts by the Saudis and by Russia have sent crude prices to levels not seen since last August. This increase is hitting us all at the pump, vexing policymakers' fight against inflation. And we might say, and I'm sure you know this, posing some new challenges for President Biden. And of course, what's he going to say? It's somebody else's fault. It's not his. I just looked a second ago. Crude's at $92 a barrel today. $92 a barrel. And we have pretty inexpensive gas in Louisiana compared to some other states. I filled up, uh, I guess, two or three days ago, and I paid $3 and a penny a gallon. Now, some people would say that's not much. I heard Sean Hannity say last night in the post-debate goings-on from out there in California, he mentioned it to somebody there that he saw $6 a gallon gas when he flew in to California to do this debate thing last night. $6 a minute. Can you imagine that? But it's here, and we got to deal with it because Joe Biden's our president. He doesn't believe in fossil fuel. He believes only in green, new energy stuff, right? Yeah. There's some news coming out, came out late yesterday. And I think Americans are going to like this because we're going to hear a lot. We're going to see a lot. 
the House Ways and Means Committee released 700 pages yesterday of new evidence against Hunter Biden. Listen to this. Moments ago, the Ways and Means Committee, we voted to release over 700 pages of additional material provided to the committee by two IRS whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, who came forward at great risk to their careers and reputations to bring to light evidence of corruption and misconduct within our federal government. On June 22nd, the committee voted to release the initial testimony of the two IRS whistleblowers that showed wrongdoing and misconduct at both the Department of Justice and the IRS. Their testimony then also shed light on a complex and lucrative enterprise operated by the Biden family to enrich themselves to the tune of at least $20 million, with much of Hunter Biden's share going unreported for taxes. In the months since, no one has offered any evidence that contradicts Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler's testimony. In fact, much of their testimony has been supported by additional IRS witnesses who set for transcribed interviews after being subpoenaed by this committee. The new information we just voted to release today further confirms their testimony. Let's look at what the new evidence released today shows. One, it is clear that then-Vice President Joe Biden's political power and influence was, quote, the brand that Hunter Biden was selling all over the world. Even more alarming, the Biden family foreign influence peddling operation suggests an effort to sway U.S. policy decisions. From documents released just moments ago, as you can see in the WhatsApp message behind me, from June 6, 2017, Hunter Biden explicitly wrote to a business associate that he was not willing to, quote, sign over my family's brand, close quote, or give this individual, quote, the keys to my family's only asset. That asset could only be one person, Joe Biden. IRS investigators provided worksheets. They compiled as part of their investigation into Hunter Biden's tax crimes, which connect his business activities to official government activity while Joe Biden served as Vice President of the United States. This is new and alarming material the committee just made public. The very existence of this file makes it abundantly clear that IRS investigators were concerned there was in fact a connection between Hunter Biden's global influence peddling, Joe Biden, and official U.S. government activity. In one example, investigators documented how then-Vice President Biden's April 2014 official visit to Ukraine occurred only days after a series of meetings between Hunter Biden, his, his business associate, Devin Archer, senior staff within the Vice President's office, and Vice President Biden himself. We have received an email sent during that same time frame from an executive of Burisma, a Ukrainian company, to Devin Archer, saying, 
a, quote, reasonable balance could be reached about Hunter Biden. One month later, Burisma announced Hunter Biden's appointment to its board. In another example from today's material, then-Vice President Joe Biden hosted Hunter and two of his business associates, including billionaire Miguel Alamon, at the White House in February of 2014, where they had lunch, quote, in Dad's office. Just three months later, Hunter Biden sent an email to Devin Archer saying, quote, we need to get to Mexico City and cement the deal with Miguel. Public records show Joe Biden later used Air Force Two to shuttle Hunter and another business associate, Jeff Cooper, to Mexico City in 2016. These documents also underline how Hunter Biden's role as, quote, door opener extended far beyond his father and includes numerous other meetings between Hunter Biden and senior U.S. government officials, including now Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Two, the evidence today shows the complexity and scale of the Biden family influence peddling scheme. Millions of dollars were flowing through subsidiaries and LLCs to avoid taxes and shield visibility into how the money from foreign sources, including countries like Ukraine, Russia, China, went to different entities and Biden family members. The additional whistleblower documents we just released specifically mentioned 23 foreign countries on four different continents with connections to Hunter Biden's business operations. The map behind me shows the sheer scale and scope of this global operation. Lastly, in the whistleblower's original testimony, we learned DOJ took unprecedented action to impede any investigative step that could have led investigators to President Joe Biden. As you can see here in this new material, the whistleblowers have provided an email in support of their earlier testimony where U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf directs investigators to remove, to remove all mentions of, quote, political figure one from a search warrant. And who is political figure one? Your, I would think you would ask. That individual is none other than former Vice President Joe Biden. Here we see clear as day, as day that the Department of Justice actively interfered in an investigation to protect the current president of the United States. Additionally, in January of 2022, Attorney Wolf declined to pursue campaign finance violations identified by investigators potentially related to, to more than $2 million in payments from Kevin Morris, a Democrat Party donor, to cover Hunter Biden's unpaid tax liabilities. In the documents we voted to release today, U.S. Attorney Wolf stated, she quote, is not personally interested in following the lead the investigators identified. Another piece of e evidence 
implicating Joe Biden, and in this case, his presidential campaign, stopped dead in its tracks. In an interview with investigators, James Biden, the president's brother, stated that he did not know how Hunter Biden even knew Kevin Morris. Who was paying Hunter Biden's taxes? Or why Kevin Morris was helping Hunter Biden? The transcript of the interview contained in today's materials shows that James Biden told investigators Hunter Biden asked him to thank Mr. Morris for his payment, quote, on behalf of the family. It is reasonable to ask who represent, who requested that Kevin Morris cover Hunter Biden's tax liability, or whether he received something in return for his more than $2 million in payments to someone that he barely knew. Based on this evidence and much more in the documents we voted to release today, along with evidence obtained by the Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee, I have serious concerns about whether the President of the United States, Joe Biden, may be compromised by his son's foreign business dealings. I also have serious concerns about whether the President may be using his administration to protect himself and his family from scrutiny. The American people, they have a right to know their elected representatives are not abusing public office to enrich themselves or their families. They also have a right to know if federal law enforcement agencies are holding the powerful and the politically connected to the same standard of justice as everyone else. I don't think anybody can honestly say the noose is not getting tighter around the Biden family syndicate. Evidence is coming in every day. It's almost like everybody was trying to cover for everything to do with Joe Biden. Any alleged wrongdoing through his long, I mean, five and a half decades of service in Washington, D.C. And it becomes more and more obvious every day that he has been milking the system for a long time and doing it with impunity and people were covering for him. This may take years to get finished. I'm not talking about the Biden piece, but the whole process. We've got to get Washington, D.C. back in control by the people, not each other, because it hasn't worked with each of them doing it for all these years. A couple of good things happened yesterday in Congress. The first one, I didn't think this was going to happen. The Senate unanimously passed a resolution late yesterday that formalized business attire as the proper dress code while on the floor of the chamber following a bunch of backlash after Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on his own. Quietly, he just did away with dress requirements last week and he did it for Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania. You know, the guy that I call Lurch. He came to the floor of the Senate with a hoodie on and shorts. And that just blew everybody's mind. That's supposed to be a really nice place where people look like they're special instead of looking like 
They're just coming from a pickup basketball game. This bipartisan bill that was passed, Senator John uh, Joe Manchin and Mitt Romney, they require that members abide by a dress code when they're on the Senate floor. So what are the new rules? Included coat, tie, and slacks for men. And by the way, the resolution didn't give any dress codes for women on the floor of the Senate. Schumer said that an official dress code is the right path forward. Though we've never had an official dress code, the events over the past week have made us all feel as though formalizing one is the right path forward. Boy, with everything going on, don't don't you feel better now knowing they're all going to wear a coat and tie when they come in there and figure out ways to plunder more of our money? <laughs> and before this show is over today, I'm going to give you some really, really big examples of how that very thing is happening. What very thing, Dan? The plundering. The other thing that happened yesterday that's good over across the Capitol in the House, House Republicans advanced four budget spending bills late yesterday evening in a nearly unanimous vote, marking a win for House Speaker McCarthy during what is expected to still be a bitter struggle to stop a pending government shutdown. The House allowed all four measures to proceed to debate, though that does not guarantee they're going to pass. Some Republicans already have expressed opposition to parts of each measure. Leadership plans to win over detractors by permitting hundreds of amendment votes. Oh my gosh. This will take forever. And this whole thing comes to a, a woe at midnight Saturday. Not much time left. Collectively, these four would fund the Department of State, Homeland Security, Defense Department, and the Agriculture Department. This all comes as the Senate passed a short-term spending package to fund the government until November 17th. What's in it? It includes billions in funding for Ukraine. Additional funds for Kyiv's war against Russia have been a sticking point among House conservatives and still is. And let me say this, nobody, nobody on the Republican side in the House is going to approve the Senate passed bill. This whole shutdown thing that everybody's been telling us about, warning us about, it's looking every day like it's more likely. It's never happened before. I don't really know. Well, we have done a temporary shutdown, but not a permanent one not for anything more than a few days, and very little happened there. I mean, it causes some hiccups, but nobody loses a job. Nobody loses money. Some of them don't get paid for a few days whenever that happens, but they catch up after they get back to work. We'll keep you posted on that. So Joe's been out. He went out to tell those and show those strikers up in Michigan, that he is one of them. I'm the most union president ever. I'm for the union people. But when he was standing there and he gave that 90-second speech, that's how long he was on the picket line, he forgot some things. Tens of thousands of auto workers are striking, tens of thousands, and that's across the U.S., What's it all about? They want a new labor contract. It includes wage increases to keep up with Biden's record inflation 
and some commitments that their jobs are not going to be eliminated by Biden's green energy agenda, which includes electric vehicle mandates, not funding or ideas, mandates. This gets a little sketchy. He spoke for 90 seconds. He was only there for 12 minutes. <laughs> he left the strike to jet off to California for a blitz of fundraisers with a bunch of his wealthy donors, some who have some connections with Hollywood. But he forgot to tell these workers some things. He didn't even mention his mandates for electric vehicles, which is at the epicenter of what this strike is all about. It has now become factual. Everybody understands it, and this just lit the fire of the strikes that are going on. It only takes 60% of the labor that is necessary to prevent, uh, to build these fossil fuel vehicles. It only takes just under two-thirds to build electric vehicles. So what does that mean? These are very high-paying jobs at the UAW, these assembly plants. Very high-paying jobs. Two-thirds of those, you cut it by 33%. That's people. That's people that are going home. They're not going to have these high-paying jobs up there anymore. Joe didn't talk about that, and nobody asked him about it when he was out on the picket line. I wonder why that was. Maybe they don't realize it. But this is a really big deal, and it's nowhere close to being over. You know, I've always questioned Joe Biden's abilities. I certainly question his viabilities and the things that he says because he he's a habit, he's a pathological liar, just like Adam Schiff. Maybe Joe takes it up a notch. I don't know. But they both lie a lot, and they don't seem to care when they get caught lying. It's kind of like they blow it off. Oh, everybody does that. This is Washington, D.C. But he's really facing some hard times. I'm not going to talk more about what he's going to do and do any more predictions. I've told you that. I do know this. Michelle Obama's under a lot of pressure. I don't know if Barack's involved in the pressure mode, but from people that are close to them, there's a lot of pressure on Michelle to throw her hat in the ring to be a replacement for Joe Biden. I guess that would give Joe a right, a need, and an opening for him to step down and not run because he does not need to try to win another four years. He'll never make it. Let's go back out west for a second. Governor Gavin Newsom, when I heard this, it it really shocked me. He signed a bill that is going to ban school boards from removing books that teach racial or LGBTQ topics in the classroom. Did you get that? It's going to be illegal. If school boards who are directly over the lives and the teaching and the education of our kids in public schools in California. They cannot remove any books that teach racial or LGBTQ topics in a classroom. Now, this is a guy that wants to be president. 
Now, how do you think he's going to reconcile this? Do you know what percentage of American parents are for this? Way, 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 way less than 50%. School boards around the U.S. are removing books and materials from classrooms that parents have deemed inappropriate. That's kind of the way it's supposed to be. You know, parents, parents are the ones that have these kids and raise these kids and know more about their kids than does any school board member or any teacher. They're doing this as causing books with overtly racial or sexual material to become a flashpoint in the culture wars. And we're really good about getting into and staying in culture wars. The bill is AB 1078, which Newsom signed, will prevent school boards from banning instructional materials or library books that include information teaching about racial or LGBTQ topics and will allow the county superintendent to take unilateral action to include these materials. From Timakula to Tallahassee, fringe ideologues across the country are attempting to whitewash history, ban books from schools. And with this new law, we're cementing California's role as the true freedom state, a place where families, not political fanatics, have the freedom to decide what's right to them. Newsom, when he said that, he just threw a whole bunch of parents under the bush. A place where families, not political fanatics, have the freedom to decide what's right for them. Those political fanatics, you know, parents. Newsom previously fined the Temecula Valley Unified School District a million and a half in July for not adopting the governor's proposed LGBTQ curriculum. School boards in California are pushing back on the legislature. Democrat Attorney General Rob Bonta's LGBTQ policies by implementing rules in opposition to the California Democrat Party, such as parental transgender notification policies, as well as rejecting LGBTQ materials in classrooms. The bill, the law, now law, sends a strong signal to the people of California, but also to every American, that in the Golden State, we don't ban books. We cherish them. That's from the state superintendent of schools. <sighs> wow. Wow, 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 wow. It just seems like when you think you got your you got your arms around everything going on, those important things, you wake up one morning and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming. I mean, the first thing we talked about today that hit me in that manner was when I told you the price of oil is approaching $100 a barrel, I hadn't thought about that. Most of us in America, we base our understanding and our thoughts on oil and gasoline and stuff like that on the per gallon price we're paying. It ain't good, but boy, if we get to $100 a barrel, you think three-something is a lot to pay? Just wait and see. Not just political, not just lifestyle, but always relevant. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift-wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. 
Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrap deep deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say the what now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, wow. <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... Uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction such a primal feeling Ooh, download raid shadow legends play for free when the press takes their marching orders from powerful special interests you want a direct source for the truth tnn the truth news network again dan newman while we were talking, I just got this text from out in California from Peter. At Charlie's Arco Station, gas right now, today, $5.99 a gallon. U.S. gasoline, $5.99 a gallon. Another Arco in a different location, $6.05 a gallon. At a 7-Eleven, two different ones, $6.15 a gallon. Is that sustainable at your house? I can tell you this. If we got to do it, we can do it. But it's not fun, and it's going to change things. Oh, and I just got this from Peter. The price of diesel. That's a big thing because we get everything. Hardly your town doesn't manufacture very much of what you buy. It comes from somewhere else, which means transport, which means Ships, they use diesel. Planes, they don't use diesel. They use jet fuel. Jet A is more expensive than diesel. And, of course, big trucks. Guess what the prices of diesel are this morning? One place, dollars $6.99. $6.99. $6.99. And at Shell, one Shell station, $7.09 a gallon. Is that coming your way? I don't know. I'm just saying. In case you didn't realize it, and we haven't yet talked about it, but the impeachment hearing, that's already underway. It started this morning in the House of Representatives. We're going to give you some updates and stuff on it in just a few minutes, but I want to make sure you know what's going on about finding what's really going on with our money that we've been sending to Ukraine. Lots of theories out there. Lots of information floating around. Our associate, our good friend from Hong Kong, he called in to tell me when we first started sending actual dollars and cents 
to help Ukraine. He was on this show, Dunstan Teo. You heard him do it. We've played that interview back multiple times. He's a crypto genius. He's the number one owner of Bitcoin in the world. So he kind of knows crypto. He's been there from the very beginning. A bunch of the money that we sent to Ukraine did not go through our transfers. Banks over there couldn't handle it. It went through cryptocurrency wallets, they're called. And a big chunk of that first batch of money that went over there never got to Ukraine and ended up being parsed off to the side. 60 Minutes even wait on this, this weekend. What else is going on with Ukraine these days? It's not just that we are funding the war. Everyone knows that we're funding a war, which you might argue if you're funding the war, if you're paying for the war, maybe that means you're in the war, but we've never actually gotten authorization for this war. Our leaders, leaders keep telling us that this is the most important thing in town. Mitch McConnell loves this thing. Biden loves this thing. There's few things that bring these people together more than war. Well, it turns out, Guys, you're going to be very excited about this as good taxpayers. Uh, It's not just that we're funding the war. Uh, We're funding far more than that. Uh, And even now, 60 Minutes is covering it, which tells you this thing might actually be bursting forth into the mainstream now. American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons. We discovered the U.S. government's buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers and covering the salaries of Ukraine's first responders all 57,000 of them. That includes the team that trains this rescue dog named Joy to comb through the wreckage of Russian strikes looking for survivors. And the US also funds the divers, who we saw clearing unexploded ammunition from the country's rivers to make them safe again for swimming and fishing. Russia's invasion shrank Ukraine's economy by about a third, We were surprised to find that, to keep it afloat, the U.S. government is subsidizing small businesses. Awesome, dudes. We're subsidizing small businesses in Ukraine. Sure, here, if you have a small business, we'll shut you down, and you can only go to big box stores, but in Ukraine, we'll fund your little operation, man. Why why did I do that accent? I don't know where that came from. Now, we're buying, they told us, 60 Minutes told us, we're buying fertilizer for farmers in Ukraine. Now, wait a minute. Ukraine produces more fertilizer than any other country on earth. We buy our own fertilizer for our farmers in large part. It's all coming from Ukraine. And now we're finding out we're buying fertilizer for farmers in Ukraine. And then we're paying the salaries for 57000 First responders over there? There is something else going on behind the scenes, don't you think? And why can any president just unilaterally make these kinds of determinations? Now, Congress approved the money, but they didn't get a look-see. They had no say-so on how it was being split up over there. I know my congressman that represents me here, he would not have been happy to hear before he signed off on sending that batch of money to Ukraine about funding this stuff. And you just heard the top of the heap. There's a whole bunch more down there. 
I'm beginning to lean towards that group of people that say, look, enough's enough. We can't pay for everything here in our country now. We've propped up the Ukrainian people. We've been doing it for many, many years, even though they're the most corrupt country in Europe and have been for many, many years and still are today. Do you think that Volodymyr Zelensky's not got his hand in the cookie jar? All this money coming in over there? Oh, by the way, Dunstan Teo said some of the money went directly to a Volodymyr Zelensky crypto wallet. But you know, he's got to have travel money. He's got to buy clothes because he's everywhere. He's around in the world going country to country, getting more and more money and support from all these other countries that are helping. We're not the only ones that are getting scammed. So we've got our impeachment inquiry. It is officially underway. And already this morning, things are leaking out. Hunter Biden referenced selling access to President Biden as, and this is a quote, the keys to my family's only asset. President Joe Biden, Hunter says this, President Joe Biden is the keys to my family's only asset. Now, that's part of the 700 pages that was released by the House Ways and Means Committee. After voting to approve more disclosures yesterday from IRS whistleblowers, the committee released info that confirmed Devin Archer's testimony that Hunter traveled the world selling access to the Biden brand, meaning Joe Biden. Hunter referred to access to Joe Biden as the keys to my family's only asset. The Biden business ranked in millions through shell companies from countries like China, Romania, Ukraine, which the Department of Justice tried to cover up. That Biden protection effort was strongest whenever investigative steps might have led to implicate actions taken by Joe Biden. During the investigation into his son, officials instructed investigators seeking a search warrant to erase any mention of a political figure number one. And now we know, based on documents that we received, now we know who political figure number one is. Joe Biden. Documents obtained by the committee confirm associates of the Biden business had direct access to the White House and then Vice President Joe Biden's advisors. According to the committee, Biden associates were told not to mention Joe being involved. White House logs show many Biden business associates visited the White House multiple times. In addition, after the IRS launched its investigation into the Bidens, Hunter apparently expected all of this stuff to go away when his dad became president. Now that's from an email. You want to hear the email? I took a call from a CNN producer yesterday who gives me a heads up on things he's working on and allows me the opportunity to comment. Yesterday he called me about sportsmen. He gave me the following tidbits. One, producer is aware of a witness who was recently interviewed by our agents and FBI in Delaware. 
Witness told producer that he was under the impression they were wrapping things up and just had a few basic questions to put a bow on the investigation. Producer has an email from Hunter saying he expected all of this stuff to go away when Joe Biden, his dad, becomes president. Producer said he's aware that a plea deal has been offered to Hunter, but Hunter is not willing to accept it. I reached out to Jonathan Larson yesterday afternoon to let him know as well. I'm not sure of any kind of air date, if any, but wanted to pass on what he is aware of. Thanks, Justin. Justin is Justin T. Cole. I have no idea who he is. The committee also released info from a May 2021 report generated by the IRS investigators. In it said Hunter Biden's lawyer, Kevin Morris, could have committed wrongdoing. There may be campaign finance criminal violations based on interviews and a review of the evidence. Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf allegedly stated, but a DOJ official told investigators to ignore that allegation, noting she was not personally interested. IRS whistleblower handwritten notes show that. Quote, these documents show a clearer connection between Joe, his public office, and Hunter's global influence peddling scheme that resulted in more than $20 million in payments to the Biden family. In addition to then-Vice President Joe Biden attending lunches, speaking on the phone with the son's business guys, the details released today paints a fuller picture of how Joe Biden's vice presidential office was instrumental to the Biden family's business schemes. You know what's most amazing about all this? It's not that it happened. Because I I believe most Americans believe it happens pretty often. In fact, I'm confident that in Washington, D.C., this is just commonplace. How could you think that, Dan? Okay, let's go back to the root of it all. Let's go back to the money. If you're a member of the House of Representatives now, your base pays $170,000 a year. Now, to some people, that seems like a lot of money. But I can tell you, if you try to keep your residence back in the district where you live and you came from, the people voted for you there to go serve in D.C., you keep that home there because you're not going to be able to guarantee that you'll be forever in Congress So you keep the home back where you live, and then you got to find a place to stay when you're in Washington, D.C. Starts right there. So how do all these people, 535 of them, that's how many members of Congress, they all have the same issues. They work in Washington, D.C. Only a handful of them live in Washington, D.C. So that's not the only conundrum they have. They do get expense accounts and they get a budget for their staff and all that kind of stuff. But the 170, if it's just one person and almost all of them have families, it doesn't go very far. But isn't it interesting? I don't know of a single member of Congress, House or Senate, that ever left Congress broke. Do you? If you do, I would love if you would send me the details that you have. Because in my mind, there's nobody 
that is ever left broke. Now, maybe they blow money, make mistakes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking just living normal, everyday, regular life. They find ways. And they make a buttload full of money. Are they cheating? I don't know. I don't know. I would imagine that, now remember, put it in the context of who these people are. These are the ones that make the laws. They're the ones that write the rules. They're the ones that decide how much their paycheck is. They're the ones that decide what their each of them's expense accounts contain, what's allowed and what's not allowed, what they can do and what they can't do, and they don't answer to anybody except voters every two years when they come up for re-election. And very few people really go through the motions of digging into and finding out what their particular senators and members of the House of Representatives, what they're doing regarding money and expenses. And these people know that. Remember this. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's where it all starts. Now, it just so happens, um, I don't know if you pay attention to a lot of things, but everything to do with big medicine today, it's all squirrely. Big medicine has become nothing but a piggy bank for members of Congress And they're throwing Pfizer, Moderna, big company, Johnson & Johnson. They're throwing money around Washington, D.C. like there's no end to it. And all this stuff that came out during, in the ramp up to, and then during the pandemic, and the post-pandemic, billions of dollars have changed hands. Nobody can credibly say to me that some of that money hadn't slipped away from where it was specifically headed and ended up at least a little bit of it somewhere else. And that's kind of one of the things that makes Washington work. But what's sad is the stuff that we've been told from the very beginning of COVID-19. Almost everything we hear coming out of Washington, D.C. about it, and not just from Anthony Fauci, but from others up there, the so-called experts. Almost all of it's been false. And you put another layer on it. It's been confirmed about 7% of all U.S. adults have suffered or are suffering from what's being called long COVID, long COVID, after contracting COVID-19. Now, this is coming from the CDC. The report found almost 7% of American adults said they experienced long COVID in a survey last year. About 3.4 adults stated they were currently suffering from long COVID when the poll was carried out. Based on census data, that would mean that some 18 million adults may have suffered from the onset of long COVID symptoms. So definitions of that term, long COVID, they differ, but it can be described as a set of symptoms that last about 90 days or longer after you get the full-blown COVID infection. CDC's report earlier this week defined it as symptoms that last for at least three months, but in August, the agency had defined long COVID as having symptoms 
that lasted four weeks or longer. People who have had COVID may continue to have symptoms or develop new symptoms months after being infected. This can lead to long-term health and economic impacts on those affected and on our society. Now, they told us in this that prevalence estimates were higher among women compared with men. Adults aged 35 to 49 compared with other age groups and adults living in more rural areas compared with those living in large central metropolitan areas. Prevalence estimates were lower among Asian adults compared with other racial and ethnic groups. Long COVID was estimated to be lower among adults with family incomes of 400% or more of the federal poverty level compared with those with incomes from 200% through 399% of the federal poverty level. Era. Now, what does that mean? You think COVID-19, they look at the bank account, those COVID germs look at your bank balance before they decide to come infect you? I have no idea what that means, and there's no explanation of what that's all about. But I promise you, if it's true, and I believe it probably is or it wouldn't be here, Epic Health is who published this and those people are one of the uh, the best news agencies as far as putting out facts that they've researched and confirmed from multiple sources. So long COVID is a big deal. You need to be aware of that. So if you start suffering the symptoms, you may want to go get a test just so you know that you have COVID. I don't think there's a test, a separate test for long COVID. But if you've had it a while, duh, it's probably long COVID you got. On to another topic. This mess about social media, censorship, canning the First Amendment for people in their social media accounts. It's been going on and on and on in the Fifth Circuit Court, federal court down in New Orleans, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. They got in the middle of it. Well, there's a new judge ruling out this morning, a federal judge's order preventing the government from talking to, even talking, communicating with social media companies about specifics regarding in some people's social media accounts. Federal judge in that particular case, censorship by proxy, heard the case, and he continued to block it. So what does all this mean? Well, these federal agencies, including people like the DOJ and the FBI, they're accused of pressuring social media companies to remove users' content or maybe block it. They will remain free, these government agency people, to contact those companies for the time being. Why? Because the U.S. Court of Appeals... Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans has temporarily stayed one judge's order forbidding them from making contact. Now, this is kind of a Louisiana thing all of a sudden. The original judge that made that determination is from North Louisiana. And now the Fifth Circuit is, they're saying, "Uh uh-uh, hang on there. The heavily litigated case, it remains pending before the Fifth Circuit at the same time a Supreme Court order blocking the judge's order remained in effect 
as of press time late yesterday. The Biden administration has been ordered to make submissions to the Fifth Circuit by noon today as to how the court should move forward. Now, what started this all was a judge, a district judge, named Terry Doty here in North Louisiana, and he issued that on July 4th. It was a ruling that prohibited several of these agencies, including the DOJ, Homeland Security, the State Department, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, and the CDC from intimidating social media companies. The lawsuit that spawned the injunction was filed by Missouri and Louisiana Attorney General who have accused the Biden administration officials of engaging in what amounts to governmental censorship by proxy by leaning on, just leaning on social media companies to take down posts and sometimes even suspend the accounts of American citizens. In the lawsuit, it's alleged that the Biden administration urged or even mandated that Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube to censor viewpoint. This is a quote. To censor viewpoints and speakers disfavored by the left under the cover of combating disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. Judge Doty's injunction, and I read it, it was brutal. It provides that agencies and their employees may not communicate with the social media companies by, quote, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech. The agencies under this order may not flag content on social media platforms or try to remove content or suppress its reach. The agencies also may not press the platforms to alter their guidelines for the removal, the suppression, or the reduction of content that contains protected free speech. But the injunction allowed the feds to continue to correspond with social media firms regarding criminal activity, national security threats, and other matters. Now, here's my problem with all of that. We saw it happen in Russiagate. Remember that? Russiagate, the big, the big hoo-ha about the courts and what the courts did and didn't do. It's centered around the FISA warrants. So one of these agencies, well, specifically this deals with the Department of Justice, but the FBI is part of the Department of Justice, and so the FBI went to the FISA court to get warrants and to get warrants that were issued under false pretenses because of lies that were put on the FISA warrant applications by the FBI members over and over and over again. One more reason why Americans are growing less and less convinced that our Department of Justice is really the Department of Justice. It's becoming in large part the Department of Injustice. Why? Because they undoubtedly, uncontrovertedly, they pander to the political class. And when I say the political class, 
I'm not including conservatives, Republicans. They cater to the hard left, the Joe Bidens, the Barack Obamas of the world. People people that believe big government should control every part of our lives. That, my friends, is atrocious. And if we the people let that stand, our nation, it's gone. We'll just be another place with a bunch of different zip codes. No substance or content like we've had in the past. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Brian, open the door, please. Hey, Dad. Your music is as loud as a jet engine. But, Dad, a jet engine can reach 140 decibels. Well, yes, Well, the loudest commercial speaker is about 97 decibels. Uh, uh uh-huh. So, do you see, the comparison is flawed. Yeah, but... Nice talk, Dad. Teens will be teens, but one smart teenager will be a Jeopardy champ. The $100,000 Jeopardy Teen Tournament starts Wednesday. You live in a in a city, maybe a town, maybe a village, but you're not really directly impacted by all of this criminality that is just running across our nation. Well, one of those isn't Philadelphia. City of brotherly love descended into chaos this week after a mob tore through dozens of retail stores there Included scores like Foot Locker, Lululemon, and Apple, ransacked at least 18 state run liquor stores. Now, when I say lawlessness, I mean Lululemon, Foot Locker, Apple, those are stores that are high class. Nothing in those stores are dirt cheap either. Fueling these flames was a social media influencer known as Meatball 
who live-streamed the stampede of shoplifters on Instagram. In her video, Meatball, a.k.a. Daja Blackwell, repeatedly shouted, Everybody must eat! As looters ran out of an Apple store with a whole bunch of iPhones that are about a thousand apiece. Yeah, right. Everybody's got to eat. At one point, she said, tell the police they're either going to lock me up tonight or it's going to get lit. It's going to be a movie. Yesterday, cops did just that, slapping a sniveling Blackwell with, among others, six felony charges including burglary, criminal trespassing, conspiracy, criminal mischief, riot with the intent to commit a felony, and criminal use of a communication facility. Uh, They're not messing around with meatball, are they? So this whole thing, this mass looting thing, began after a judge dismissed some charges against a police officer who shot dead a Latino man in a car who was armed with a knife. The direct action was organized by, listen to this now, the Party of Socialism and Liberation. And Meatball wasn't the only one who went down for the night of mayhem. Police said they made at least 52 arrests. Burglary, theft, and other counts have been filed so far against at least 30 people. But three of them adults, according to Jane Rowe, spokesperson for the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office. Three of them, only three of them were adults. The other 27 were not. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board closed all 48 of its Philadelphia retail stores, one in suburban Cheltenham, on Wednesday. According to Liquor Board spokesperson Sean Kelly, the stores were closed in the interest of employee safety while we assessed the damage and the loss that occurred. We will reopen stores when it's safe to do so and when the damage is repaired. It just keeps going and going and going. By the way, we talked about the stuff going on in the House, finally getting those four spending bills advanced. We told you that the Senate had put together a continuing resolution that included quite a bit of targeted spending that the Senate wants, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, he made it very clear he's not going to allow that particular bill to even be brought to the floor in the House of Representatives to be considered. So what does all this mean? Well, it means this. For Kevin McCarthy, every other Republican, and by the way, for every American, I don't care what your party affiliation is, they got to get this thing handled. If nothing else, the cost of all of everything will immediately go higher than it already is. If the world considers, if the nation considers that it's a reality, we're going to default on our government debt. We don't need fear. We don't need to be worried about our government. We don't need to be worried about the fact that, I mean, if you're a a Medicare, a Social Security recipient, a Medicare user. You're thinking about that's your health care, that's your income. And Democrats want everybody to think all that's going to be shut down. It's not. None of that will be affected even 
closely impacted if there is a shutdown. They're using the fear factor to try to force you and me to call our lawmakers and say, you gotta, you gotta do this deal, this temporary stopgap measure. What what's so bad about it? It's full of it's full of just plain old pork. They're looking at a situation and they're trying to put a feather in their cap misrepresenting facts, and they do this kind of stuff all the time. You know this. We watch them do it regularly, don't we? We can't go down that road. We got to stop the spending. Unnecessary, but we got to get all this stuff figured out and in, in place. Thank you, folks. Thanks for being here. You have a great Thursday. We'll be back at 9 tomorrow morning at TNN Live. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. How long you gonna stay here, Joe? Some people say This town don't look good in snow You don't care, I know Venture Highway In the sunshine Where the days are longer are stronger than moonshine You're gonna go I know